everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to continue our series, Unexpected God, looking at a few events from Jesus' last week here on earth. Today, the anointing by Mary. I think I told you guys how I started this series, but my church is doing kind of a Holy Week experience for their families that they wanted me to write something for, which I ended up writing about Jesus clearing the temple that we talked about last week. And yeah, as I was looking into the other stories that are part of this event, I was like, wow, I'm really intrigued by these stories. And so I wanted to just do a couple of them just for you guys, just to take some time to really just contemplate Jesus. I think it's really easy for us to get so caught up in like what we're against and things that we don't believe and things that we don't feel are right and all this kind of stuff. And we forget to really just dig into Jesus, who is kind of the foundation of our faith, you know, kind of the the main thing there. So I just thought it would be fun to take a few weeks and really just dig into some of these unexpectedly weird scenarios that he finds himself in and the way that he just digs through them and like the things that he does and how that shows us who God is. So today we're going to talk about Mary anointing Jesus at Bethany. And the story of being anointed by a woman is found in all four Gospels. The Gospel of Luke's story seems to be at a different time in Jesus' history of his life. But Matthew, Mark, and John all seem to tell the same story, just with a few variations, timing, and stuff like that. But if you look at eyewitness events, they are often slightly different, just because different people pick up on different things. If you talk to a detective or somebody who works with crime scenes, they're actually going to tell you that if eyewitness reports are all the same, exactly the same, that they're actually questionable. People are probably telling a story for some reason. It's expected that eyewitness testimony would have some variations. When you look at the Gospels, only John would have actually been there. Everybody else is hearing the story kind of secondhand as they retell it. So anyway, let's talk about Jesus getting anointed by Mary. This is sometime within the same week right before he passes away. It's sometime before the Passover, and he goes out of Jerusalem in this last week of his life to his friends in Bethany. And he has some close friendships there. The one gospel, Matthew, talks about how he's at the house of Simon the leper, and Martha and Mary are still there serving. Um, Another gospel account tells us that it's actually at Martha and Mary's house, so who knows? But all we need to know is that he is there with his friends in Bethany. Simon the leper would no longer be a leper because he wouldn't be living in a town and having people over for dinner if he was actually still a leper. So he's probably somebody that Jesus healed, Simon who had been a leper, and now he is Jesus' friend, and they're hanging out together. And Martha and Mary, Lazarus had just been raised from the dead, just probably a couple weeks to a few months before that. And so this is kind of a new occurrence in their lives to have their brother back with them. And here they are, Martha serving, showing her love for Jesus and serving, and Mary once again at Jesus' feet. So the story is interesting, guys. Mary has this very costly perfume. It is worth almost a year's worth of money. That's a lot of money, like a year's worth of wages. That is a lot of money. And she has this jar, it's probably a stone jar, filled with this costly perfume or anointing oil. Who knows where she got it from? Some people think maybe it was part of her dowry given to her by her parents. Should she ever get married? Like, we don't really know where it came from, but it was definitely hers. Like, she owned it, and so she could be the one who used it. And as Jesus is reclining at dinner, which is one of the things they did, they would kind of lie 
on cushions with their feet out towards the outside of the circle and their heads facing the table area. And Jesus is reclining at dinner and she comes up to him and she breaks her bottle. It would have been, had to be broken, failed to be used. She breaks it and she anoints him. And some of the gospels talk about how she anointed his head. Others talk about his feet. It's very possible that she got all of it. She anoints his body with this perfume and the smell seeps out into the entire room. Everybody can smell this and it's beautiful and it's lavish and it's kind of ridiculous that she would just pour this entire bottle of perfume over Jesus. And Judas, of course, gets angry. He says, this is ridiculous. This is wasteful. This money should have been used to help the poor. Like we should have sold that. And the gospels clearly say, well, he just wanted that because he used to steal from the money bag. Like he was just, he was in charge of the money bag and he would take money out for himself. And Jesus tells him to stop, that it's fine, that Mary is preparing him for his burial, and that this is a beautiful act of worship and sacrifice, and that wherever the gospel is shared, this story will also be shared. And it seems like a simple story, but after I've just spent some time kind of digging into it, it's really interesting. Mary seems to understand something that most of Jesus' disciples miss. Jesus had been talking about his death for a while now. And every time he would talk about his death, people would kind of try to assure him that it wasn't going to happen or ignore it or kind of just push it off or, you know, whatever. And Jesus, he just tells them this stuff over and over again, and they seem to just not get it. And somehow Mary gets it. She believes him in her great love for him, in her overwhelmed just state of who she believes this man is and believing that he is God, that he's her savior, she takes her most precious possession and she just pours it on him. And it says that she takes her hair and she lets it down and she wipes his feet with her hair. And I was trying to dig into just figuring out like what the significance of that is. <laughs> and guys, I um, went really far into like Hasidic Judaism. And I I knew that the Jews that are very religious these days still follow all kinds of really strict practices, but I did not realize that once a Hasidic woman is married, she is no longer allowed to show her hair. Like they wear wigs over their hair so that their own personal hair is not able to be seen. They have like fake hair showing. They'll have scarves, um, things like that. And I'm like, wow, that is really strict. And they take it totally from this verse in Leviticus uh, talking about when a man and a woman are found caught in adultery kind of a thing. And it doesn't really appear to me to be like, you know, this is really clear. People should never, women should never show their hair, but it's tradition. And so that's really crazy. And I don't know, I tried to look into like, was it really ridiculous for her to have let her hair down um, back then too? And it seems to be the case that it was kind of an intimate thing for a woman to let her hair down like that. And that it was a humbling thing for her to use her hair, which was her special possession, to wipe someone's feet. So it was kind of a humble, sacrifice basically that she had humbled herself and poured out everything for him and wiped his his feet with her hair like it was just a very very intimate and very humbling and just lavish grace and it's interesting max licato talks about this in one of his books and he says that you know she believed him out of all the people that followed jesus mary got it she believed him she believed that he was going to be dying and that she was preparing him for that and anointing him in a way. And it's hard to know, like, is this really something that she understood? 
it's hard to know why she did what she did. We don't have tons of information. And yet at the same time, we understand that it was this sacrifice that she made for him. Like, here is my most precious possession. I'm giving it all to you because I love you. And I want to as an act of worship. You contrast that with Judas. And both these people, guys, are someone that Jesus kept with him as he ministered here on earth. And they're both kind of shocking, Mary and Jesus and Judas, to all be together. Because one of the things is, I said before, rabbis didn't have female disciples. And so for Jesus to have these women who followed him and who were such good friends of his and who were welcomed right into his inner circle and were welcomed into his time as he's talking with the men and all this kind of stuff, like that was really radical for him to have these women who were following him, women who felt comfortable enough to just be real with him and to be humble and open and honest with him and to give him this intimate gift. That's really unusual. And so I love that. I love what it shows us about how God feels about women. So often, even in Christian circles, it is just not, it's not done well these days. It's just, we're not equal. And men have power over women. And women are considered second-class citizens. And it's just not good. And yet, Jesus was so gracious in his love for women and his acceptance of them and his valuing of them. And that's just really beautiful. That's unexpected. It's not at all what the culture was like right then. Like it was a very, very patriarchal society. And women were basically possessions. You were under your father until you got married and then you were under your husband. And yet Jesus treated them as individuals and valued them as humans. The other thing that just is surprising to me is Judas. It is very unexpected that God would allow his betrayer to be his disciple to spend every day with Judas, looking him in the eyes, knowing he's stealing from you, knowing he's going to be the one that leads to your death. And yet Jesus welcomes him and makes him part of the group for three and a half years. That's astounding to me. That is so unexpected that God would love somebody like that, knowing that he's not really your disciple knowing that he doesn't actually love you or care about you, knowing that he's using you, and knowing that he will betray you. I could think about that one for a long time. That is an interesting one. Jesus is so unlike us, guys. I can't imagine knowing that somebody was going to cause me spiritual abuse and willingly keeping them in my life, knowing that somebody was going to betray me and hurt me, and yet willingly keeping them in my life and treating them with love and acceptance for years, knowing how it ends. Jesus is so unlike us, guys. So unlike us. He is crazy unlike us. And it's such a beautiful thing. I think about Jesus in this week before his death, knowing what he's going to go through. It's like the negative anticipation, knowing he's going to be crucified, knowing all the suffering that's going to happen to him. And yet just willingly following that path, one step at a time towards death. And I think about Mary and her lavish, (laughs) lavish sacrifice, just pouring this all on Jesus. And how he wasn't offended or embarrassed. Like other people were like, what are you doing? And Jesus just welcomes it and accepts it and accepts her and reassures her and affirms her. 
And I think about the lavish grace and love that Jesus pours out on us. And I love, I love that she was able to give him a gift like that. And I wonder what it would look like for you and I to give him such a lavish gift. Not because we feel like we have to, but because we want to. Because we love him. Guys, there's so much that we do within Christianity, within the Christianese culture, that's done on a duty. <laughs> well, God wants me to give him this. God wants me to do that. God, you know, whatever. And it's not out of love and abandon. It's not out of gratitude and just being overwhelmed at who he is. It's out of duty. It's out of religion. We're just doing the things. And I would love to be able to just give my life to Jesus in such a crazy and lavish way. Just full on all out. Like, here you go. It's all yours. I guess my thoughts for you as we finish this episode up is just, I'd love you to ponder this. I'll have all the different places in scripture that this story is found. Like I said, Matthew, Mark, and John. And you know, spend spend a day or two just thinking about this, contemplating it. Contemplating the two characters in this story and the Jesus who loves them both. God is not at all like us. He is so different from us. And yet he made us enough like him that we can have that relationship with him. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.